Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach August 2018 podcast. I'm Stephanie Rule, your host for today. And our topic this month is the last of our three-part series to help you notch up NHA. Today, we will tackle Notching Up NHA, Mastering Stand 3. We're going to dive into exploring the last of the three stands of the Nurtured Heart Approach. Absolutely clear, consequences and limit setting. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Blog Talk Radio so you can receive notifications about new episodes every month. You can find the Children's Success Foundation on social media by searching CSF is Greatness. You can explore our website, childrensuccessfoundation.com, to find a trainer near you, or if you're ready to notch up your understanding of NHA to even deeper levels, you can also register for an upcoming certification training intensive, or CTI, on our website. Before we dive into the heart of our podcast today, I'd love to introduce myself and today's guest. I am Stephanie Rule, a trained school counselor and advanced trainer in the Nurtured Heart Approach. I also work for the Children's Success Foundation to steward the work of the Nurtured Heart Approach around the world. I'm a wife and a mother of two creative, caring, and loving children, and all together we live in a Nurtured Heart household. And today I have two amazing guests on our show. Our first guest is Jim Kimberling, who is a certified NHA advanced trainer. Jim has been using and teaching the Nurtured Heart Approach for over eight years now. He is the full-time clinical coordinator of the Crisis Psychiatric ER Department at East Orange General Hospital in New Jersey. He has had various positions in the past, in the past both in management capacities and working directly with young adults and their families with emotional and behavioral challenges. Jim is a licensed social worker in New Jersey and has earned a master's degree in social work from Rutgers University and a bachelor's degree in social work from Keene University. Welcome, Jim. Happy to have you here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Yay. All right, let's go ahead and introduce our second guest, who is Brooke Tafoya. Brooke has nearly 20 years of experience working with young people all over the country in a variety of settings, in the community, schools, and residential environments. Her approach to working with young people has always been strength-based, and she works on developing programming that focuses on engaging and building young people's strengths and abilities. She was introduced to the Nurtured Heart Approach eight years ago. She quickly saw that NHA helped give the how to positive youth development and other less specific strength-based approaches. Brooke is now an advanced trainer in the Nurtured Heart Approach and has provided training and coaching to schools, residential settings, and agencies in an effort to make organizational change. NHA has impacted her personal and professional life in a profound way, and she loves to share the principles of the approach as often as possible. Brooke has a Master's of Social Work from Washington University in St. Louis 
and is a licensed social worker in New Mexico. She received a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology from Principia College and is current, currently the Director of Operations for New Day Youth and Family Services in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Welcome, Brooke. I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yes. So, guys, let's just take a minute before we dive into our Stand 3 discussion today and share a quick 30-second thumbnail or a definition of what the Nurtured Heart Approach is. I I love hearing different perspectives from my guests of how they define the Nurtured Heart Approach to people. So, Brooke, in your own words, how would you describe NHA to someone that is just hearing about it for the first time? Yeah, I love this idea. We practice this a lot in our organization. So Mm. I often say something like this. It is a way of seeing someone as who they really are by setting healthy limits, giving relationship through positivity, and ultimately building someone stronger on the inside. I love the way you summarize that in one sentence. I mean, it really does. Yeah, it was. It does. It it really encapsulates the whole concept of what nurtured heart approach is. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. All right. So, in the nurtured heart approach, we obviously talk a whole lot about the three stands, as they are the foundation foundational pieces to the approach. And I think it's important for, in light of this series that we're doing um, this month and the last two months to touch on why we call them the three stands. Um, Jim, I would love to hear from you what it means to you to take a stand on something. Um, with the approach, it really just means to, to, to be steadfast, to use it, to, um, to really to engage with it all the time. Uh, we used to, when I first became a trainer, we used to talk about the three-legged stool, that you need to have all three of those legs in balance, um, which is important, um, that we embrace all three of the stands all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the word steadfast that you chose to use because that when I think of taking a stand on anything in my life, I, you know, I set my mind to it, and then I have mm-hmm. to hold steadfast to that stand that I want to take and not waver and not get knocked down or give up on it. Um, so or even like when you do word. get knocked down, even when you do get knocked down, though, just to reset. And I mean, that's Ooh, teaching yeah. this with parents is, yes, at times they do slip or they do kind of get out of the mode or get out of that mindset. But to get quickly, push your reset button, take a deep breath, yeah. and you can jump right back in. Absolutely, that was a great reset for me. Thank you, <laughs> because you're right. Um, I get knocked down, you know, in life in general. And because I have this amazing thing called the reset in my toolbox, I know how to stand back up, brush myself off, and and keep going forward, keep moving forward. Um, Jim, how would you describe what stand three is? Uh, Strand three is really just being absolutely clear, as we say. It's just clear limits, clear consequences, um, setting those very clear boundaries that children and youth and adults sometimes need. Um, It's not just for kids. Um, If there's no boundaries, there's no limits, of course they're going to take advantage of every opportunity they can. Um, And and this is where parents sometimes when they hear about one and two, they're like, oh, I'm just not going to have any rules. I'm just going to like ignore everything. And we're like, no, when we get to stand three, 
you'll see. There's limits. Right. There's consequences. Very clear. Um, no gray area at all. And uh, right. once they embrace that, they see it. Yes, exactly. Brooke, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think that the clarity is, um, to me, it is the gift of nurtured heart because so many of the other approaches out there, they talk about the other two stands in different kinds of ways, not in the same, not with the same clarity, I don't think, but the clarity part is what really gives this approach. A toe over the line is a toe over the line, so there's really no moment. And when we really stick with that absolute clarity of saying, hey, there are lots of ways to create um, consequences and and to really be an authentic relationship, but ultimately the goal is to stay um, in relationship. That's really the gift. And I really think of this. I talk to our staff here a lot. Is this is what clarity helps create the safety that allows for real relationship to happen? Um, because when intense young people and all people are pushing the boundaries, it's usually to really understand. Where's the line? Are you going to help keep me safe or not? You know, that really that really stuck out to me, what you just said about clarity creates that safety that allows for the real relationship to happen and to build and to flourish. Um, I think that that is a beautiful way to put it, and I think that it really is, it really is the truth about Nurtured Heart and about Stand 3. Um, that clarity piece is so... People thrive off of clarity, adults and children alike. And um, when you put it in the, the, the light of how clarity can create that space of safety so that relationships can thrive, it's um, quite stunning. I like, I like the way you said that. So we today are going to talk about some, or we're going to answer, I should say, a few commonly asked questions about Stand 3 that we as trainers have heard frequently from our community of learners and the good news is we have not just one but two experienced advanced trainers in the nurtured heart approach here with us today who can help give our listeners some clarity on these questions so I will go ahead and just read the questions and we can just kind of have a conversation about them so our first question that was submitted to us is what is the difference between timeouts and reset? Who would like to take the first question? I guess I can make a comment on it. Is I, I mean, I used to work in a residential facility earlier in my career where we did the whole timeout, and kids would be out of the program sometimes for days and days and days, and we're talking kids with serious emotional and behavioral problems, and it's about that word out. You're out. You're not part of the program anymore. Um, you're not wanted, you're out, you're down the hall, whatever the case may be. Whereas with the reset, we can get the kids back into either whether it's your program or just your family, your life, whatever it is, as quickly as possible. Um, do we have to have them out for hours and hours or days and days? Because um, when you're out, you're an outcast, you're not wanted. Um, and that usually leads to more acting out and more testing limits and um, more pushing the limits to get the attention that you need while you're out and not wanted. Yeah, and I often I often think about reset is is about something internal that timeouts are things that we do to people, um, but that reset is something that we do for ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I like that. And you're right. It's you know, it's that that timeout. I mean, essentially, a reset is a form of a timeout, but it's it's a it's a healthy, functional form of timeout that mm-hmm. actually works because of what Brooke just said. That the, the reset is not something we do to people. It's something that we do for ourselves. It's that chance to take that breather, take that step back and, and, and pause the moment so that you can reset and get back on track to whatever it is, you know, whether it's um, the words you're using, whether it's the emotions you're having, or it's the behaviors you're showing, whatever it might be, um, it all provides the opportunity, the reset provides the opportunity like you guys were just describing, to just take that one quick moment to stop whatever it is and get right back into the game of connection and relationship as opposed to that, the old school way of having a timeout or doing a timeout. Yeah, and I don't know, yeah. Jim, if you found in your um, experience, but I guess I think that most of these things, it's really about what your intention is um, mm-hmm. because – if it's timeout, if it's reset, if it's, um, you know, even having clarity, you can use clarity as a hammer or you can use it as an opportunity to get back to build success and create opportunities for it and build in our wealth. Um, and so really thinking about the intention in the moment because a, the reset is, is, I think, exactly as Jen mentioned, you know, that it's about being able to be in the moment. So if you're out of something, you can't be in the moment with another person to create the opportunity for success again. And so I just think the intention out, to me, about stand three, it is about our intention. There are a lot of ways to do all of these things, um, but ultimately your energy and your intention behind it will, will rule how it comes out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people's intention, they I mean, you hear it a lot from parents is they feel like they have to teach, like they, they have to teach them some lesson by this timeout or this long consequence. And we talk, I try to help them talk that out, that what is that, what is the intention of that really going to lead to? Is that really going to solve this problem? Is this going to solve the behavior? Or can we get this kid back in the program, back in the family, back in your life, you know, as quickly as possible and move on? Because um, we know that the other cycle can go on and on for days and weeks and months and years of negative acting out. And um, how quick can we get back on track and, and mm-hmm. just stay there? I mean, um, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out pro- process that goes on mm-hmm. and on. Um, it is really, tr- it truly is all about what your intention is. I think um, back to all of my, my, well, my own parenting as as a parent. Um, you know, when you're in the heat of those moments and you're at that, that crux where you're thinking, okay, what's my next step going to be right now? Am I going to choose? I'm so frustrated with my kids. I'm so upset. I'm angry, whatever it might be. So am I in this moment going to choose to, take the next step and yell at my kids or punish my kids in some form? Or am I going to take that, that next step as a moment to reset myself? And for myself, my way of resetting that has helped me immensely is through what my intention is. Mm-hmm. I kind of stop myself in that moment and say, what is my intention right now? Is it my intention to yell at my kids? 
which will then in turn shame them? Or is it my intention as a parent to raise these two children that are healthy and have um, um, healthy relationship connections and know how to or have inner wealth and feel good about who they are on the inside? And that thinking, when I reset by thinking of what my intention as a parent is, that is what truly ultimately helps me to fully reset myself in the, even in the, the hardest moments. Yeah, so it is about intention. Great point. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go on to the next question. This is a good one. So the next question is, so they hit someone, and all we should do is recognize them when they don't hit someone? What do we do when they do hit someone? I know we've all gotten this question. <laughs> This is a tough one to wrap your mind around. Yeah, I again, think that, again. Go, go ahead, ahead bro. Go, go, go. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, I think that um, in these, this question, you know, what do we, what do we actually do? I, I think, you know, you hit someone, and you do have to, you have to look at the whole moment, right? Is did they hit someone and go? oh, crap, I hit someone, <laughs> or did they hit someone and kind of stay in an escalated space? So we just always have to prioritize safety and really thinking about how do we um, how do we create that safety. And so that's where often um, I think really utilizing our, um, our recognition just around that first is this is what I see because that's the way you can kind of bring down the moment and you're not assigning anything to it. You're just being in a moment with someone and telling them I'm showing up with you right now and I'm seeing what's happening because you can't do anything when someone is totally elevated, you can't do anything. And, and I think the other idea that I hear that's under that is that there has to be true consequence. And when I say true, I mean the idea of punishment when people are hurt, that someone has to have some true consequence. I'm, in all of my years of working with young people, and I have seen lots of different types of violence, and the consequence often is actually helping people understand how they've hurt someone, that this idea that you don't do that in the moment, you, you bring the moment down where people can think again, and then you have a conversation, and then you, that leads to being able to be like, wow, you really – we're able to come down and be in this moment with me again. And obviously we're not going, this is, this is across the line. This is a toe over the line. It's hurting someone. We're not, what do we need to do in that moment? So, I mean, I think that's the thing is that it's all, it builds up. And I think that's the hard part about nurtured heart sometimes is that it's not a formula. So it doesn't say exactly what you do, but you always go back to the main things. I'm going to stay in this moment. I want to be here. I'm going to see someone completely. I want to not energize negativity. I want to see for the moment where we can start building on success and inner wealth again. And that is going to lead to the growth where someone can have a different experience and choose something different in another moment. Beautifully said. Absolutely. Go ahead, Jim. And just really help. I, mean, I totally agree. It's, and even when they're in that moment, I mean, if they're still angry, if they're still fired up so to speak and i used to work with teenagers so the, you know you can see the face you can see the the, the body movements mm-hmm. um that they're still in that space um it, it it 
you can talk all you want, you can yell all you want, it's not going to get in, it's not going to settle in. So helping them come out of that that moment, helping them bring it back down, as Brooke said, so you can have those discussions is so important. Um, and even to talk about what the natural, whatever the rule is, whatever the consequence is, at that moment isn't going to sink in either because they're still in that, as we say, fight or flight response. They're still ready mm-hmm. to fight. They're still fired up and just helping once things come down and just you look frustrated you look really upset you know i know you're mad i can see that helping them bring that down is makes all the difference in the world um, and then you have time to to process what really happened Mhm. absolutely all right so our next question kind of leads Um, nicely into this next question, which is, what if they won't or a child won't reset? Should there there not be another tangible consequence? Oh, I think in my mind, if, if, I mean, a reset, we, the the times that I've seen where young people aren't able to reset, and I I should probably say I primarily, I've spent almost all my career working with um, 11 to 22 year olds. So um, I have family members and other people in my life I use Nurtured Heart with that are younger, but that's my primary place. And the thing that I've discovered over and over again is the only time that I've seen someone not actually want to reset is when it's just it's, it's because I've decided or I've seen someone else decided how it should happen, right? So a young person may not want to go and sit on a couch or go and do the thing that the way that you're talking about them resetting. But the truth is all of us want to get back to a place where we can be our full selves again. And Mm -hmm. so I think really creating the opportunity recently, we had someone, you know, um, we've had a lot of Jim, when you're talking about sending people down halls, this has been a conversation we've had a lot recently in our youth shelter and we had one young person who they did ask because it seemed like he was getting really elevated, and they asked, would you go down the hall? And he said no. And the staff person thought so quickly and just said, well, what are you willing to do so you can, so we can change this? And he said, well, I'll do push-ups. And she said, great, let's do some push-ups. He did five push-ups and then stood up. She was able to acknowledge him for making that decision and coming back into the moment. That was a reset. She didn't say, mm-hmm. we're going to reset, and she didn't define how the reset was. He was able to do it, and he was back in the moment. That's the goal. And I think that sometimes we just get hung up on how we think it should look. And mm-hmm. so that's young people don't want to do what we think it should be, but they really do want to be back in the moment, the richness with us. Right. We all have our own, the, we all have our own ways of resetting. We have things that help us individually and my way may not be the same as a 15 year old way of resetting and so for me to impose my power over a 15 year old or whatever age the child is um, and say this is how you have to reset that changes it from being a reset and a consequence more into a punishment and so mm -hmm. we would have never we don't encourage our staff to say that people should do physical things for this, but I mean, so we wouldn't have ever suggested that. He suggested that. So in my mm-hmm. mind, when someone is able to own ways that they can reset, the most powerful lesson we can give anyone, young, young child, adolescent, adult, 
is actually how to truly reset. It is a gift mm-hmm. um, to all of us. And when someone can identify a way that helps them do that, I think, hey, great, let's help them do that and let's build their skills and their knowledge around different ways they can reset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's I mean, that's that's each kid. I mean, we were talking about each kid. Each kid's going to reset differently. And I actually just um, had the great experience of doing my first parent coaching, the six-week you know curriculum that we have at Nurtured Heart um, mm-hmm. with some parents in the spring. And that's the one woman has four a single mother raising four children, all with various emotional and behavioral challenges. And that's what she actually, by the sixth week, that's what each kid had a different version of what a reset was. Um, Because each kid was different, and each kid did something different. Or or one was just literally touching the refrigerator. I remember she said he had to go and touch the refrigerator. That was his way of resetting. Um, Whereas another kid, you know, went to their room. So she was able to distinguish that, that none of her kids, you know, that not all four of her kids were going to reset the same way. And she embraced it. And by the sixth week, uh, she came back with this and, like, blew our doors off that she had this capability. She was an amazing parent. Um, that None of my kids are going to do it be the same way. Yeah, that's so much good insight. And what a way to be able to really support each young person. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we give them the freedom to reset in the way in which they need to reset themselves, they feel would will help be helpful for them, that that shows them that we trust them and that creates yet again, another layer of more healthy connection and relationship between adult and child or whomever it might be. But that connection piece, that healthy connection is what everybody seeks out. And when we can trust, put that, put that trust in our children to be able to reset themselves in whatever way they need, whether it's walking away, taking a deep breath, touching their refrigerator, doing their push-ups, whatever it might be. Everyone has their own unique, personal, it's a very personal thing, resetting. It's a very personal personal thing. Yes. Yes. It really is. And it's different. And this is a great conversation. I really think that uh, for our listeners who are new, newer to Nurtured Heart, you know, resetting is something that people grapple with. It's very, it's, it's, there are so many layers of, of understanding that come, come with learning how to reset and learning how to reset yourself and others. And I think that this conversation is extremely helpful. So um, I'm just so, so glad that, I, I'm so glad we're having this conversation and being open about the importance of giving freedom to reset yourself in your own personal way. Yeah, and I would say, you know, we say this in in our trainings is, you know, the main reason that a timeout or a reset does not work is because the adult didn't reset themselves. And I think, you know, whether we're in a parenting situation, whether it's our partner, whether it's someone at work, whatever, that is a truth. If we don't know how to do it um, and we can't enter into a new moment and be fully present for it, um, then it's how can we create a different energy field? How can we expect anything to go differently? And so for those of you who are out there working in in, uh, in group facilities and things like that, or even if you're just co-parenting, have the conversation. How do you help each other? How do you reset? How, how can I help you in a moment where you need to? Um, what are some of your – we have a list running where we say, hey, top effective resets. 
try a new one, you know, get to know what yours are so you can do them in the moment, know the ones that help you go, can reset faster, know when you maybe need a little bit more, and be able to talk to your co-parent or teammate about what those things are. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm looking at the next question. I'm going to go ahead and jump into it because it, it connects right, right to what we were saying. So the next question is this. It's so hard to reset my kids when I'm still fuming about their behavior. It almost seems like I make it worse. How do I reset my kids when I'm really upset still myself? So. <laughs> I think I Brooke think just answered answer it. <laughs> We did. We totally answered it. But, um, I, you know, I just wanted to read it out loud so that people listening to this conversation can make that connection to the actual question and the answer, which is you have to reset yourself, right? You cannot expect to reset someone else if you have not yet reset yourself. And I think that's the important part of the approach is it's, I mean, that's what people want this magic pill or this magic fix that, that you know, I'm going to wave, wave my wand and boom, nurtured heart's going to, you know, solve everything. And no, it's really about the adults. It's about, not even the adults, it's about you personally um, being able to reset and, and, and get back on track. Um, if you're still yelling, if you're still fuming, that energy's out there and the kids are going to jump right on that bandwagon and they're going to be fuming and they're going to, to join in that party um, as quickly as possible. Um, and that's the hardest part of Nurtured Heart is keeping ourselves in that moment. And when we do fall off, getting back as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Energy is contagious. So yes. if my energy is, is excessively negative and loudly negative, then the people around me are going to catch that energy and they're going to jump in. And like you said, Jim, they're going to jump onto that, onto that energetic bandwagon with me, especially your, your family members or the, the kids that you work with. Um, you know, and so if you, if you stop and think, well, if I reset myself in this moment, then maybe just maybe the simple act of me modeling myself resetting and being reset will help the people around me to reset as well without having to force a reset. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. the other thing is don't be afraid to say, even out loud to young people, you know, I need to reset. Just give me a sec. Because that's mm-hmm. modeling. It's showing them that everyone has to do it. This idea that um, I think too often we have this perception or we give young people a perception that they have to do these things. Only young people get upset. Only young people lose their temper. Only – no, that's not true. You know, that's, no. All of us do that, you know. All of us we get dysregulated and frustrated yeah. and annoyed and mad. And so being able to show that to to our young people to say, you know, hey, I'm doing this thing. And even be able to talk about it when you're out of it of like, what do I do? How do, what do I do to reset? How do sometimes, because I think that it's a tall order. What Jim mentioned about like, you know, it's the hardest part. I think all of this is because it play, it does place a lot more responsibility on adults um, to, to be the director and producer of every moment. And if you're caught in your own stuff, you can't, you can't see the success in the next moment. 
And mm -hmm. that's why we have to be able to get to a different place, and it is not easy. And we also know when we are, like, in a partial reset, sometimes I can get to a place where I'm like, all right, I can maybe see the the – I can see something good in this next moment, but I don't know if I'm going to hold on to it for very many more moments. So, you know, to work to get to that fuller reset. But really having a lot of conversation about the reset ultimately, I think, is what leads to greater success. Mm -hmm. Transparency and communication leads to greater success every time. Every time. Perfect summary. <laughs> yes, that, that sums it up. Yeah. Well, let's shift into the next question, which um, kind of shifts us in, into the other portion of stand three um, of creating structure and boundaries. This question is um, uh, regarding rules. Somebody is asking, is it really necessary to have the rules posted in my house? Do I need that much clarity? What do you guys think? I would say that depends. I mean, each family is different, but if that's what you feel your family needs, then absolutely. I mean, I have had families who posted something or we did it as a project and then we made a poster, you know, the basic rules together. Um, and then there's other families who just, it's a verbal thing and everybody knows. Um, but that's what I used to tell, I mean, that's when I'm training staff and I'm training, you know, at programs like residentials or hospitals or group homes is, Kids know the rules. Kids know them backwards, frontwards. You know, even if you have a new kid who's been there for a day or two, they know the rules very quickly. They're very observant. They they catch on very quickly. Um, so to say that they didn't know the rule, eh, they usually do. They usually, you know, they know what they're doing. Um, but that's where the clarity comes in. If there's a gray area, a kid's going to take take the gray area every time. If they're going to take the way out. Um, so it's what you know. It depends on the on the circumstance. If if that's what your family needs is to have something posted as a reminder, then all means go for it. And those rules mm -hmm. can change. Um, sometimes you need to change them up occasionally too. Absolutely, they do in fact change frequently. In my home, they change all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean like kids one grow, they, you know, your rules have to change with the kid, with the growth yeah. of your children, the maturity level of your children. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. As kids get older, they're going to venture into different areas and different, you know, different parts of life and the rules mm -hmm. to adapt with it. Adapt to that, exactly, right. And I think that's the challenge of working in milieu environments is that you have a, a diversity of young people, you have a diversity of staff. And so the thing I feel like we always are talking about is this idea around consistency. And everyone, I, I, everyone wants to kind of have consistency around rules. And I think that having a few absolutes, you know, but those should be, you know, yes, absolute, no on a few things. Mm -hmm. But you can never, there will never be enough rules to be able to address every situation. And that what I always talk to my staff about is the consistency is around the approach, that that's where our consistency comes from. Because there's no way that we're going to have all of our staff who come from totally different backgrounds, totally different ways, always doing the exact same thing. It's just not going to happen. I've never, I've worked in milieu environments all over the country and it's never happened and I don't believe it ever will happen. I think that we can get people to come to some agreement around some core values and then that the approach is the consistent part, that we are going to 
tell people when there's a toe over the line, there's always going to be some kind of consequence, and then we're going to get people right back in the game so we can honor success and build inner wealth. That that, when those are our intentions and that's what we're doing, but the consistency is that, then the rest of the stuff, it, it matters less. And, the, and rules do change. Rules change from weekends to days to evenings to nights to different houses to the, the mm -hmm. you know rules about when how long people are going to stay up or how loud it can be or whatever that those those aren't those have to be flexible and we have to be able to allow mm -hmm. space for that um, and I think that's the part of it is it's a life skill because it's helping our young people know that that things change and sometimes it's going to be a little bit different than others and that different people are different but that our the consistency is around how we're going to respond and what our approach is. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And and also, to, and I'll make a reference back to Stand 2. We also have that beautiful tool from Stand 2 of recognition and specifically the proactive recognition, which, as you guys both know, is, our, is the nurtured heart way of teaching the rules when things are going well. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's a great, a great way to be consistent, as Brooke is talking about, with teaching the rules on a daily basis when things are going well. I mean, you don't, it, in my opinion, and I do definitely think there's a time and place for writing the rules down, but in my opinion, that, that you'll get the most bang for your buck from using proactive recognition in every moment that things are going well. You know, that's your, that's your time to really say, oh my gosh, you just chose to not jump on the couch because you know that's a rule that we don't jump on the couch. I am so impressed that you are not jumping on the couch. So here you are sharing in the success of a moment of a kid not jumping on the couch and teaching the rule at the same time. Now that is the beauty of the nurture heart approach. That is that right there for me is where it lies, where the success lies in, in creating boundaries in building inner wealth, in creating human beings who are able to relate in a healthy way to others, on and on and on. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> another example of that, like one of the things I always talk about is, you know, in our shelter that after meals, you know, one of our expectations is that you clear your plate and you take it up it to the kitchen window. Well, we don't have to teach that rule by saying this is what you do. We teach the rule when someone does it, somebody who's been there before, and we have a new person, someone who's doing it, like, wow, you cleaned up your space, threw away all your trash, and took your plate up to the kitchen window. You are so uh, – you're doing such a great job of honoring our house and really being respectful and, and really honoring this rule. I just want to really – you know, I want to give – I want to tell you how much I appreciate that in this moment. Well, mm -hmm. every young person who's brand new who's only been here for, you know, a day or an hour – they just learned the rule. We didn't have to say this is the rule and how much more powerful it is it to teach the rule in the process of building inner wealth than it is just saying, hey, do this thing. Exactly, yes. And also teaching, I mean, as a therapist, when I did in-home therapy, sometimes I'd have parents who'd be, can you believe that he did? You know, I'm like, yeah, I can believe. Like, kids are, especially the teenagers, I mean, that's, that's part of being a kid is the rule-breaking and finding, you know, trying the – see what happens and, and see what the limits are. And I'm like, when I look at them and say, yeah, I can believe it. They kind of look at him like, yeah, that's their job is to do this. And don't be shocked when kids break rules, just 
reset and get back on track and be clear with what the rules are. Um, right. Don't don't have these meltdowns like that just reinforces the, what what happened. I've had mm-hmm. tons of parents like, can you really believe? And I'm like, yep, I can believe it. Yep, you're a teenager. <laughs> That's yeah. Welcome to teenage world. Um, mm-hmm. Get used to it. It's going to be coming at you for the next few years. Um, you know, it's just part of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Letting go of that fear. It's 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 all based in fear. Parenting or yeah. working with kids, teaching kids out of fear because we're we're afraid that if they break the rules, something real bad is going to happen. And you know that may be true. That may be true. However, like you're saying, Jim, you can't you can't stop someone from breaking the rules. You simply can't. But what you can do is give them that true consequence of a reset right then and there afterwards. And then get right back into the next moment of success, right? And talk about yeah. what they're now doing that's healthy and successful and great in wonderful ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also said that using, you know, we talked about the proactive recognition, but also using the creative recognition, because I think the limit mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes we're not setting the clear limit. And with some of our most intense young people, that we have to keep increasing our clarity. We think we're clear. I think that's the other part when I hear, like, staff or parents go, I was clear. I'm like, but you weren't clear because they did this. They did this. They pushed the boundary because they wanted to see where it really was the line. And so increasing our clarity, is, is that's the gift. I think sometimes people think increasing clarity that they're backing themselves into a corner, so that's why they get vague because they think, well, if I'm vague – then, you know, there's, it, could, it could happen and then it's okay. But if I get specific and they go against me, then what am I going to do? It's fear, once again. Mm-hmm. But if we get specific, that's the true opportunity for success because then our most intense young people, they know when they're inbounds and out of bounds and they know there is going to be a consequence for being out of bounds and they have the opportunity to be in. And I think that, you know, as um, – an intense person myself. I love clarity. I love getting more and more specific about things because it helps everyone actually be on the same page and be able to feel that sense of success. When it's when it's less clear, it's harder to know whether you really actually accomplished what you're doing. And I think that's the reset often for us as adults is someone, a young person is not doing something to you. They're really trying to understand what is the rule? Where is the boundary? Mm-hmm. And so perfecting mm-hmm. our own, you know, asking for what we need, saying I need this to happen. Every time I've ever done this in my own life and I've seen other people do it, the clearer we get, usually it doesn't lead to our worst fear of people just saying no. It often leads to the opportunity for success. Absolutely. I could Absolutely. not agree more. Mm-hmm. So, you guys, this, this happens every time at the end of the podcast. I go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe the time is up because we get into these great conversations. It is? Wow. It is. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? It happens so fast every single time. So it is time for us to wrap things up. Um, and before we go, I would love to hear from both of you guys if you, if you have any last words of, wi- words of wisdom for our listeners or a tangible tool for implementing Stand 3, um, anything you'd like to share before we before we bring our discussion to an end. I guess for me, the when I'm teaching Nurture Heart, the part I love about Stand 3 is the whole speed limit story. 
Um, and I know it doesn't happen that way, but especially here in New Jersey, we drive very fast. Um, but yeah, what if, you know, if the rules were that crystal clear and you got pulled over, they handed you a ticket and walked away. Like there was no time to plead your case or, and I say to parents, how can you duplicate that in your home? You know, break a rule, here's your consequence and move it on and and just keep going. Um, I love that story. And I always, when parents get caught up in the the worry, misery, and doubts, and the what ifs, and what if this happens, and what if he does this, and what if she does that? No. What, here's the rule. Here's your consequence, and walk away. You know, and just not. I always try to bring that back to them when I'm trying to teach stand three about keeping mm-hmm. things clear and not, not even giving them a chance for that. Oh my God, did you know? And you know, trying to get out of it. Um, they knew the rule. Just like when you're speeding, you know you were speeding. You know you were driving. Right. 20 miles over the speed limit, you know, we don't need to have an, Oh my God moment. Um, yeah. It is what it so is. True. <laughs> okay. It's so, so true. It's no sweat off my back. If you choose to break the rules, no sweat off my back. Here's yep. your consequence. There you go. Yep. Move it on. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jim. How about you, Brooke? Any last minute words of wisdom to share? I think just that to remove the fear, the fear, I think what Jim said is beautiful. And it's just, the, it really clarity is a gift. It, it has been used in lots of different ways in all of our lives around punishment and all of these other things. And so we have a lot of negative associations with it. And I think it just takes us a while to unpack all of our own negative associations, but really, truly clarity, resetting, it's a gift. And the clear, the more we can give that gift to people to help them be able to get have opportunity for success and build their inner wealth, the, you know, the stronger they are. Absolutely. Clarity is such a gift. I was just having that conversation this morning about the exact same thing. I was saying clarity is a gift. Give me more, more and more and more clarity. I love clarity. I love it. <laughs> I thrive off of it, and so does everybody else, whether they know it or not. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much. It's been a great discussion about Stand 3. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your experiences and your wisdom. And that's it for now. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. It's been a great joy. Thank All you right, so much. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. Take Bye, care. Brooke. Bye, guys. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4.25. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited.